0: This is The Jason Jones Show, powered by Mudhouse Media. Now, here's Jason Jones.
1: Aloha, everybody, and welcome to The Jason Jones Show. I am your host, Jason Jones, coming to you today from the beautiful and balmy hill country of Texas, 110 degrees today the last show just the other day i was in chicago and the weather was literally perfect whatever perfect it is that's what it was whatever humidity is that's what it was and i didn't even get mugged i did not even i there was i was not assaulted lori lightfoot didn't yell at me i ate some great food was around wonderful people and the weather was absolutely literally perfect but yet i love it when it's 110 degrees I don't think until I moved to Texas, I knew that it could be 110 degrees in a neighborhood. I thought maybe in Death Valley or somewhere, it got to be 110 degrees. I never thought, you know, where humans lived and walked around, had swing sets and pools in their yard, and they put mulch out in front of their, in their garden. Where people did that, I did not think it got to 110 degrees consistently for months at a time, but it does do that in Texas. But, hey, I like the heat, and I like freedom, so whatever it is, it is. I will deal with it, and I love it. Uh, this episode today, we're interviewing the great Pat Castle. Who is Pat Castle, you may say? He founded a group called Life Runners. He is a former ethics professor at the Air Force Academy. He was an Air Force officer where he worked on defense and, and uh, defense against weapons of mass destruction, And he founded an organization called Life Runners. This organization has thousands of members that have run thousands and thousands of races in over 40 countries. Very influential organization. And when I first met Pat and he told me all about it, I thought he was crazy. I said, who wants to do that? Well, I don't like to jog. jogging. I don't like to jog. But clearly, a lot of you like to run. And now they're in the midst of this great month long Uber ultra marathon where everyone's running around with these shirts on. I'm going to do that. He's sending me a shirt. I've committed to do 5K this week. I will do it and I will put it on social media. 5K sounds bad. It's not that bad. Anyone can do it. He said he doesn't care about your time. You can walk, you can low crawl, you can scroll. I'm going to try to run and I'm going to time myself. And tell you what my time is. And I have to wait till the shirt gets in here, but he said he's going to FedEx it. So go to liferunners.com, or I'm sorry, liferunners.org, and you can sign up to get your shirt and to become a part of the team of Life Runners. We're going to interview Pat Castle on running the Air Force strategic bombing, uh, his uh, run in with Padre Pio. True story. I should have said that in the front. His run in with Padre Pio. All right, this episode is being brought to you by. Epoch Times, the best newspaper that ever was and probably ever will be. If you want to stay free, you have to stay formed. Get the real news that other media outlets don't report. What's happening in Taiwan? The CCP is running amok. We're on the verge of World War three You didn't know that? You didn't? Read Epoch Times. All right? I read epoch.com. The code Jason Jones gets you a great discount $1 for one month. Okay? Go check it out. Also, MyPillow.com, Mike Lindell. I bet he's a life runner. I bet you he's a life runner. And I bet after he runs, he puts his head on his his pillow with his name on it and he sleeps really sound. You can sleep on the same pillow as Mike Lindell by going to MyPillow.com using the code Jones. You're not going to share a pillow with Mike Lindell. It's not like you're going to be, you know. No. You, you're going to get your own pillow. But it's going to be the same pillow that Mike Lindell uses the great pro-life hero who loves us, who supports us, who stands with us when the rest of these corporations throw eggs at us, okay? Go to mypillow.com, use the code JONES for your deep discounts. And as always, this episode is being brought to you by the Vulnerable People Project, standing in solidarity with the vulnerable. And as you know, this year, uh, most of our work has been in Afghanistan. Uh, This week, we're doing the ribbon cutting on our first medical center. And we're going to... um, one of our wells is going to start running with water. We had to literally, uh, the well ran into a big problem, like a boulder. And one of the wells we were drilling this week, they had to get this boulder out of there. But they said by tomorrow, the water is going to be flowing in a community that for generations has had to walk. Uh, women in the village have had to walk for miles in each direction. Uh, we're going to continue evacuating those who are vulnerable because they served alongside the U.S. Armed Forces. But we can only do it with your help. So go to thegreatcampaign.org. And become a monthly donor and stand with us as we stand with the vulnerable. All right, on with my interview with uh, the great Pat Castle on The Jason Jones Show. Aloha, Pat Castle, founder of Life Runners. Welcome to The Jason Jones Show. Thanks, Jason. Aloha. Aloha. It's good to have you on the show. Yeah, how about it? But I have a confession to make to you. Let's hear it. All right, when I first met you, do you remember when we first met?
0: Oh, remind me. We've had a lot of uh, of collisions, huddles. I believe it was in St.
1: Louis. I was speaking somewhere. I remember not. I think it was for the Diocese of St. Louis, in St. Louis.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I don't know if it was early on. I don't know if Life Runners had was just getting started, if it had been rolling for a while, but you were in your life runner's jumpsuit, and you were... <laughs> right? Yes, I was. You were in your life runner's jumpsuit, and you looked like, you know, a college track and field coach to me. <laughs> yeah. In my memory, you had a whistle around your neck and a clipboard, but you probably didn't. I just, I think I That made was that- the
0: persona. Yeah, I actually didn't, but I believe that that persona probably came through. But in
1: my memory, you did. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. And you were telling me about Life Runners, and I thought, that is the worst idea I have ever heard, and I'm never going to see this guy again. That's what I thought. <laughs> yeah. And I've, I've reflected, and not just you. There have been a lot of really big, successful things in the pro life movement. Like when David delighton called me, when he was preparing to do his undercover videos documenting uh, the selling of baby body parts, I I was I pulled over on the side of the highway in California, and I listened to this young man pitch his idea, and I thought it was over the top and impossible to succeed, and I and I thought mm. to myself this kid's going to waste a couple of years of his life and nothing is going to come of it. Now I said to him, probably like I said to you, Ooh, go break a leg guy. That sounds awesome. Good for you. <laughs> but yeah. you know, I, I, think of life runners a lot because I didn't get it because the infantry and in pop Warner football and high school football and all of that added up to making me hate running, you know? Oh yeah. Any more than right. 40. Yard. Right I like the 40 yard dash. Like that's great. I'm gonna start that. The 40 yard dashers for life.
0: Like it's yeah. Running is redemptive because it's hard. It's sacrificial. It's holy. <laughs> well,
1: but you know, but here's what like I my hobby is Muay Thai kickboxing, right? So yeah, and, and you're supposed hard. to run for that, but I'm not doing that. I'll just do more rounds on that bag or heavy or the mitts or I'll sprint or do fart licks or whatever. But I'm just not gonna. Yeah. But people love to. So what I don't get when I look at the Tremendous success of Life Runners, which is tremendously successful, all over. How many Life Runners are there?
0: There's nineteen thousand, hundred, six hundred and eighty-seven Life Runners in three thousand, three hundred and sixty-one cities spread across forty-one nations.
1: That's unbelievably successful and influential. (laughs) I mean, and how many? How many? How many miles? I mean, can you even begin to calculate how many races and how many yeah, miles? Right. How many people have looked right. at these shirts? How many conversations have been started? Boom. You can't even begin to understand that.
0: Yeah. Wow.
1: And what I don't get is like when you were telling me the idea, like I, I guess if I would have paused and thought for more than a second, but I was just living in my own head going what I like and don't like. And I would have, if I would have thought about it for a second thoughtfully, I would have thought, man, lots of people run. Yogging, mm-hmm. You know, it's called Yogging. What movie is that from? I, I'm going yogging. <laughs> it's a new thing called Yogging. Do you remember that?
0: It, it sounds good. It, I'm it, sure we could define
1: No, that's from uh, Anchorman.
0: It's Anchorman. Anchorman.
1: Do you ever see the movie Anchorman? Uh,
0: I know the concept. It's but really well, it's silly, well, probably like a Will Ferrell or something. It somebody. is Will Ferrell, yeah.
1: It's not you a know, movie-to-movement movie I, at all. I don't endorse it. It I is saw, awesome.
0: I saw Will Farrell doing an interview in a cell at Alcatraz when I was visiting <laughs> for the walk for the walk for life. One of When well, you saw Number him in person?
1: Year.
0: So I'm in person and I had my Remember the Unborn shirt on and I just gave like a shout out, you know, because they were, had the mic and I just said, Remember the Unborn. <laughs> and so I always wondered, I don't know what show it was, but I always wondered if you could, you know, hear that someone randomly, Remember the Unborn. In the middle of his interview. That is awesome.
1: You know, me and you have something in common. Bold spirit. We have a lot in common, <laughs> but you have a PhD in nano analytical chemistry from the University of Illinois.
0: Really small stuff.
1: And I have my associate's degree in nano analytical chemistry.
0: Well, we can speak nano. I made nano, that nano. up.
1: I made that up. <laughs> I don't have an associate's degree in nano analytical chemistry. I don't think there's such a thing. What is <laughs> nano analytical chemistry?
0: So nano analytical chemistry is the study of really small stuff. So trying to see, you know, what effects. And so not to get us off on a huge science talk, but of course, pro life is pro science. Uh, there's the elements behave differently at the nano level. Materials behave differently. And so we study these really small things to find for unique functionality. For example, my PhD, I designed a a molecular nano level uh, sensor to be able to detect single molecules of chemical warfare agents. Why? Because if we could get a sooner sniff out in the field that there's something nasty coming our way, we can get our personal protective equipment on faster so you know i i built these little atomic scale junctions so i could chemisorb nasty life-threatening chemicals on there to give early warning uh responses for the troops in the field you said so that was chemi- my- what is
1: chemi absorb chemisorb what is that
0: yeah so just things that will these these chemicals that would absorb on a gold nano bridge. Basically, as it changed the resistance on the bridge, it allowed for you to sense them, detect them. And so how did that get applied to the pro-life movement? Well, my goodness, if you look at a single cell from the perspective of a nano analytical chemist, you look at the single cell and go, wow, there we are. I mean, there, there we are, that first cell, full human genome, I mean, the only thing difference between us uh, from the, when we were a zygote, our first cell, and now is time and food. We've been changing since the moment of conception, fertilization. We're changing right now. But when I look at that single cell, I can see just an explosion of infrastructure. Why? Because my PhD is a thousand times smaller than that single cell. So it's like looking at an. I'm when I see a. So the a single-celled cell human
1: there, being is actually quite yeah. big.
0: Right. From I mean, the it's, it's not of, really tiny. Yeah. Film. It's an IMAX of life.
1: An IMAX of life. I mean, you're a bright guy. You taught ethics at the Air Force Academy, which is unbelievable. You taught mm-hmm. the marathon team. You coached the marathon yeah. team. You're a guy that's always smiling. Like, you look you're like you're always very happy. <laughs> are you one of those guys yeah, that's always really, really happy? Or are you, like, a kind of guy that... um you've gone through profound moments of sadness and sorrow. And so uh, you appreciate yeah. the happy times, you know, cause you're a runner and I like mixed well, martial arts. And I know that in my community, which is like really strenuous, there are a lot of times people like I do, I'll be honest, like it's, it's, it's how I keep myself happy and how I distract myself from, you know, things that depression or sorrow, so, yeah, I wonder. When I thought about that, about you, I'm like, this pack castle always, like, you seem like the happiest guy. Like, people always look at me, Jason Jones is always happy. And you're like, yeah, well, you know, good. I don't want to burden other people with what I'm going through. But are you just really a joyful guy, or is running, is, is something <laughs> running you do to keep yourself really, you know, you, you always seem like the happiest guy in the room?
0: Yeah, I don't, I guess I would say the the running, which, you know, it's hard in, in itself, and when you make it hard, like run really far, like Jeff Grabowski and I cranked out 62.5 miles in two days for the Across America Relay, and it wasn't easy. You know, 35 miles in 90-degree weather one day and the next morning, 27 miles. So was I smiling that whole time? I <laughs> guess I was probably choking and smiling a little bit. You were you, were you like happy? Because,
1: like, when I do Muay Thai, like, <laughs> I'm doing 15 rounds, 10 rounds. That's Uh when I'm in my, I'm in almost in a state of ecstasy. Yeah. My son will say, dad, when you're sparring, you're smiling and it freaks everyone out. Don't do that.
0: Yeah. You like the good fight. Yeah. So so are you like in
1: a state of ecstasy when you're doing these hard runs, pushing yourself?
0: I think I'm focused, but when I, when I finish, certainly you have the perspective of, you know, wow, that was hard. And we, we made it through it. We endured. It was redemptive. It was a redemptive running. We ran as a prayer. We, we prayed during it. We offered up a few rosaries. We, we, were, we were intentional. We tapped into the power of the Holy Spirit. We actually asked God for miracles when we were running. And so there's this kind of overflowing of spirit I, that comes off as, as joy or, or peace. But I guess mostly probably for me, as you said, I'm just like, yeah, life is awesome. And to keep that perspective of doing hard things so that when you have consolation, when you have enjoyment, you can intuit it because you've been willing to do hard things. You've served in harm's way. You've stood in places. You've been willing to fight the good fight. So dare I say a lot of it that, you know, folks like you and I, whether it's raise your hand and take the oath of allegiance for our country that we're willing to give our very lives for what that constitution stands for, life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness so, yeah, you know, I guess, you know, when you have that perspective, it allows you to be joyful because you have perspective of hard things. But then also, I guess maybe, shall I say, Jason, just having just a seed of faith that when whether you've watched a really good war movie or a real good come from behind sports movie, that I guess I look at a situation and go, hey, how much does God really need? To pull off a win and really what he needs is probably one person to say yes. you know one willing soul to say i will go and so i look at situations that even look insurmountable like how many people listening right now if we really gut checked really believe that we would see the end of row you know really i think a lot of us and maybe us too at little moments wondered huh like, it's just, is this what we're going to have to endure and live with? And in spite of the law of land, we're still going to go out there and encourage people to choose life. You know, but it, it's in that looking out because, wow, look at our culture. And to think that we, you know, with, of course, God's power and and faith and endurance and everyone's prayers and efforts, You know, James chapter 1, verse 22, be doers of the word, doing those little things with great faith. It was enough. Roe was overturned. Like, really? That happened. Really? That happened. And we're still what? Five, six weeks. And we live in a the- post Roe
1: world. My sure. wife said to me today. Wow.
0: My <laughs> wife said to me
1: today. Can you? Can you? It's still surreal. Right? I'm like, no, it's not. I'm not even to the surreal point yet. I'm not. I forget.
0: See? Yeah. Like we're there, and of course we have. This is just phase one. Like you and I talked about at the Law of Life Summit, which. Thank you for you know, coming to that event again and again, that you take time for that. and I, Royce Hood and I are so grateful that you, you know, come and rally with us at the Law of Life Summit each year. But at that event, we talked about really this fight for life, this, this, this pursuit to make life really just glorified in God's image as it is and, and to see it, that, that the culture sees life as a reflection of God's glory, it's three phases. Phase one was we need to overturn Roe so that, you know, in our country that we recognize there is no room for that in our Constitution, which Dobbs, of course, made clear. And then the second phase is, okay, now we need an amendment to clarify the Constitution, kind of like when slavery ended, we needed a 13th, oh, and then we also needed a 14th Amendment. Well, we're going to need an amendment to clarify, uh uh-uh, You know, there is no room in the Constitution. Not only are we not going to say you can't stand the way, we're going to say you can't do it. And then the third phase, of course, is where we just enter in to the perspective of God, the glory of God, the reflection that we were made in this image. And that's when that big saying, we make abortion unthinkable. Because why would we crumble a beautiful painting that's, that's priceless? Why would we dismember something so amazing as our very lives. So then, of course, like the Life Runners jersey, Jason, that jersey on the back says "Remember the Unborn." So we're remembering the 64 million upwards of 64 million that were lost in our own country pre-row, and we continue to lose, you know, a, a lot of Americans to to abortion, and we also remember. So those that are thinking about it right now, remember, so they don't have an abortion a day. And then of course we remember, so this, these school age kids remember the truth about life and the beauty of life so that when they're ever confronted with the live abortion, they just give a shrug of a shoulder and say, uh uh-uh, uh, I want no part of that. So yeah. Praise God for overflowing joy.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, and I will say it was such a, being at the law of life summit, it was a very joyful event, and it to be was. in the room with like Ann Schadler and so many people who worked so mm-hmm. hard for so very long to get us to this point was a great was a great privilege for me. I want to ask you: um, you had an encounter with Saint Padre Pio while you were racing Pikes Peak Ascent.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. that was the beginning of Life Runners. That was
1: can the you, first. I don't know much, believe it or not. Like, I'm looking right now at St. Maximilian Kolbe, and I'm looking at mm-hmm. um, uh, all, all of my patron saints are on my wall. Like, my office looks like uh, a Greek Orthodox monastery. But <laughs> although Padre Pio is, is very popular, I don't know much about him. Can you tell us about your encounter and then
0: share with us who he is? Sure. So St. Padre Pio, the, I'm only sorry, Padre Pri- Pio. Sorry. Yeah, the only priest to bear the wounds of Christ, Uh, Not just the five, the classic five wounds of Christ, but the sixth wound of Christ was also on his body, which was that wound across the shoulders, the the carrying of the cross. So an amazing mystical Christian, I mean, an amazing mystical person and a Catholic priest, the only priest to have the Sigmata. For listeners might be thinking, hey, how about St. Francis? Well, St. Francis was a deacon. He wasn't a priest. So there's maybe a dozen of really well-documented people that have had the stigmata, but that's probably what he's most famous for. And then after that, and he had the stigmata in his body for 50 years. After that would be probably his, his ability to bilocate. Lots of documentation. Remember, this is a modern saint. Saint Padre Pio died in 1968, 23 September 1968 and had over 100,000 people at his funeral. So he, he really was the, the Mother Teresa of his time. And, and so the whole world knew about this mystical priest. So much so, Jason, that Bishop Karol Wojtyla, Polish Bishop Karol Wojtyla, also made a trip to see the mystical Padre Pio. And he went to the Sacrament of Reconciliation with him. And while he was sitting in the Sacrament Reconciliation, just visiting with Padre Pio, Bishop Carol Bortiva who, of course, is Pope John Paul II, St. John Paul II, he, in visiting with him, learned about that sixth wound. So Padre Pio only, there was only two people before he died that knew about the wound across his back. One was uh, St. John Paul II, the other was his caregiver who verified it. But why is that interesting? It's interesting, because in that confessional, St. Pio also had an image, had, had this vision that Carol Vojtiva, Bishop Carol Voitiva, was going to be the Pope, and communicated that. So then imagine this, this encounter in that sacrament reconciliation. It led to these realities, the reality that Carol Vojtiva indeed, indeed did become the Pope. The other reality is, how cool is this, that Pope? canonized St. Padre Pio. Oh, oh, oh. And one of the two required miracles for that canonization was a prayer request that St. John Paul II, then Bishop Carol Voitiva, asked Padre Pio in the confessional. He said, I have a friend with cancer. You know, she's, she's dying. And could you pray for her to be healed? And this friend was healed, and that was one of the two documented miracles for his canonization. I just love all that connectedness, that Holy Spirit, that Alpha and Omega awesomeness. Now, how do you explain—so
1: if you're a lot of Protestants and Muslims and others are listening to this podcast Mm -hmm. and others, atheists, da-da-da, they hear that. How do you think they hear that when we talk about that as Catholics, when they (laughs) hear that stuff? Like, what do they think? We're kooks, right? A little kooky. (laughs) It's, it's to explain to the theology of, of that, of,
0: well, of the, the intercession of, would, of saints. You got it. I, I think for non-Christian listeners, step one would be, okay, we, we know that Jesus Christ was a historical figure. Got it. We know he's crucified and had these wounds. Okay, so there's this mystical encounter uh, with the communion of saints. those that have passed in the the intercessory prayer you mentioned like how do you even bring this to reality well I, I like to just visit with with fellow humans hey do you have any loved ones that have passed yeah you know I have a grandpa or my dad or someone close to them I said you communicate with them you know they'll pause but isn't it interesting that almost everybody says yeah right you think about them I do and do you, do you have a sense that, that they're aware of you? Are you aware of them? Most, again, majority, Jason, and people listening are assessing this right now, go, yeah. They're like, my dad passed away in 2012. There is hardly a day that goes by that I don't think about my dad or have some sense that my dad is aware of me. You know, like he's, you know, making something apparent to me. That is where people can at least begin to understand, my goodness, if our cell phones... Have this conversation, this word that I, that's being spoken from my lips right now can go into this phone, to a satellite, to your phone in in you know in Texas, from my phone in Omaha, Nebraska, and everyone else is you know talking and going to satellites. That kind of connectiveness with with stuff that we the created put together. Why are we shocked that God can network and communicate? between souls, uh living. And so it's and not deceit. Padre Pio's yeah. power.
1: It's not like Padre Pio's doing
0: this, but right. it's his, He's tapping into his the his relationship Jason. with God. You got it. And God's network through the Holy Spirit. And and if we can think like I said, practically with satellites that we bumped into space, come on everybody listening. Whether you're or like Christian if you're or Protestant,
1: not. right, and you you're really good friends with the music minister and you yeah. have you want to present on the Life Runners to your church you go to your friend who's a music minister, and you say, "Hey, can you? You're in Life Funders with me. Can you ask Pastor for me?"
0: Yeah, you got you, it. You, you know, you're really that close works. to
1: Pastor, right? So that's what we as Catholics think. Well, okay, this person's very holy. I'm kind of a schmuck, right? And uh, I'm in a state of <laughs> mortal sin. You and uh, you know, um, I'm I'm probably not the guy to go ask right now, but this person is daily in a state of grace, who's in constant communion with God, he's a priest. Um, Let me ask you.
0: So he's not doing yeah, anything but
1: asking for you. You got it. He's not lifting advocating. a finger. Advocating. He's just
0: advocating. Now you, it, you yeah. so you
1: had an encounter with St. Padre Pio. Explain that.
0: Right. So now that folks have learned a little bit about this priest, from San Giovanni Rotondo, Italy, that passed away in 1968, that had the wounds of Christ on his body for 50 years, and I mentioned could- American pilots
1: face. would see him, right? American pilots would you see him. You got it. It sounds crazy. Yes.
0: American pilots would it's say there's wild. this Italian
1: guy outside my plane as I'm bombing Italy, saying don't it. drop bombs there.
0: That's the Saint CEO. In so a way, he
1: worked is, for the this... Air Force, like you. <laughs> he was an ethicist. He, he was saying don't drop bombs there. There's children there. He did. There's a church there. Bomb over here, and you got there it. were there were these there were these that pilots that Pio. testified to this. I've got a personal got padre Pio story, and and uh, when I read about, it. I want to share with you. But but before I get okay. to that, I really want to hear about like this, enc- and because there's a lot of Catholics, and like that's half our audience, and so they they're like. You had an They're encounter jazz. with Padre Pio did that mean you, got you were like a b you were at ten thousand feet above sea level and you didn't have a lot of oxygen you didn't run in ten miles or uh, or what happened'll back
0: that up okay I'll pat dr fair, Castle, tell us tell us what happened so 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 backing that up at uh thirteen thousand feet so I'm making my <laughs> way up Pike Peak in two thousand and okay. six like, so you so you're thinking along the same lines I was thinking. So okay. Keep that smile, Jason. I'll sorry, give you I, can, the, you, can you hear I'll my smile through the, the radio or through the uh-huh. microphone? Okay. Yep. And you're going to hear the stats that kind of okay. can can poo poo anyone that wants to say this was altitude sickness. So, so first of all, yeah, racing up Pike Peak, which they call America's ultimate challenge. It's a A half marathon, you know, 13.1 miles from the base of Pikes Peak to the top of it to 14,115 feet, and when I was 13,500 feet into it, a thick fog kicked in, and in that thick fog, a frustration kicked in. Why? Because all my landmarks from training on that mountain all summer were gone, and I had a goal. My goal was to break three hours, running up that mountain, about 40 people out of the 2,000 do it, and... And it was frustrating. Like I could only see probably 10 feet in front of me. So I prayed. I was like, Lord, you know, I'm lost. I need your help. And we've got this goal. And I looked at my watch. My watch said two hours and 50 minutes into the race. Remember, the goal is three hours. And right on cue, after I looked at my watch, someone in a perfectly clear voice said, We're three hours, we're 10 minutes from the top. We're going to break three hours. Just, you know, And I remember thinking... Did he have an Italian accent? (laughs) No Italian accent. Okay. And I remember thinking, wow, this guy sounds great. Like, I couldn't say howdy up there. I mean, I was focused that three feet in front of me. You know, my peripheral vision was was going in and out based on my exertion because of oxygen deprivation. And it was odd. Just It was an odd, like, wow, that someone sounded that good. And I thought, hey, they should just pass me. You know, why are they even... Hanging with me, and so then um, a little bit later, you know, I could hear people cheering. I'm like, "Wow!" Through the thick fog, we must be close. And again, frustrated. I'm like, "Oh man, if we miss this by ten seconds, this is going to be so frustrating." So I prayed again, Lord, you know, uh, I, you know, that if if this happens, if I break through hours, you know, I'm going to glorify you. It's only through you that this is even possible. I'm going to give glory at the top of this mountain and shout your praises. But you know what? If it's not your will, I don't want it. This was my prayer. Then I don't want it. If you're just trying to, you don't want me to break three hours for whatever reason, I'm fine with it. So I call that my surrender prayer. I looked at my watch, 255 into the race. So I'm five minutes from three hours in that same clear voice right on cue when I finished that prayer. We're five minutes from the top. And you had no because You really couldn't see where the top was couldn't see I could see 10 feet in front of me but wow. I could hear people it was frustrating and so now the, the next thing is I could see the top through this the what they call the 16 golden stairs a big boulder field at the top of the mountain and I could see you know kind of up and I could make out the finish line and I remember thinking oh man I looked at my watch my watch said 259 so I had one minute to go and I had trained at the top of the mountain and my thought was oh, there's no way I can get there in a minute. Oh, but I know how I could. And I prayed, come Holy Spirit, carry me forth. I have no memory of going up that boulder field. I finished in two fifty nine fifty one. A journalist, I came to, the, yeah, I finished. I collapsed at the finish line. A journalist ran down and said, oh my goodness, that was the most exciting finish of the day. You were the last guy to break three hours. Do you have a statement? And I said, yeah. With a minute to go, I prayed, come Holy Spirit, carry me forth. And I have no memory of going over that boulder field. And she said, yeah, you're the only one that we saw run over the boulder field. No one else has run over those boulders today. And so then I, I, I went and sat down on a rock. I borrowed a guy's phone, called my mom to tell her I was okay, because that's just what you do. You know, a good son, when a mom says, hey, let me know you're okay at the top of this race, called her and she said, Patrick. Before you tell me anything, she said, did anything unusual happen at two hours and 50 minutes into the rest? That's Just awesome. Like, By the way, I, 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 said, I
1: love <laughs> that you're calling your yeah. mom.
0: This is unbelievable. I my mom. She asked me too. I did it. And, and how pro-life is that? And so I the said, beautiful. yes, mom, there was. Why? She said, okay. I sensed that you were in trouble at 250, and I asked St. Padre Pio, to intercede and encourage you to the finish line. And I I mean, I could have just dropped the phone, Jason. Granted, I was at 14,000 in recovering. But she goes, so something happened. I said, yeah, something happened. And I said, let me tell you about it later. I didn't even want to talk about it. It was so weird. So the next morning, I opened the newspaper. Why? I wanted to see who was behind me. Because my thought, Jason, is that maybe St. Padre Pio inspired someone behind me, or there was say, something mystical. Yeah, about, exactly. You got it. And, you know, just had some mystical thing. Like, I just couldn't get my hands around that St. Pedro Pio, known for this, by the way, like you said, diverted World War II aircraft, um, has been bilocating since even his passing in 1968. People have encounters with him. But I couldn't get my hand around it. It was too wholly weird for me. So I looked in the newspaper, and there was nobody behind me For a minute and 47 seconds. So I walked out my front door. And I simply walked. Didn't run. Walked. A minute and 47 seconds. Looked back at my front door. That was two and a half blocks behind me. And thought. There's no way. That guy was right on my shoulder. There's no way. There was no one behind me. Oh there sure was someone behind me. And I just had to. In confidence. Confide with faith. I have confidence that St. Padre Pio, through the intercession of my mother, hit that first domino that's now Life Runners. How? What does that have to do with Life Runners? Well, uh, it has everything to do with Life Runners because that inspired me in spirit to go, oh, we can do more. We got to take our calling more serious. We are on mission. I called together a group of men for a men's Bible study, studied the book Unbound by Neil Lozano, which is, uh, how evil works in the modern world. After six months of studying that, this group of men said, "Well, let's get to work. What's the greatest evil?" We all agreed that the crown jewel of Satan is abortion. So once a month in 2007, we began standing in front of the Planned Parenthood in Colorado Springs, and once a month we started going to nursing. Now, homes. What were, were you you were sure. still active? Were you active duty at this time? Active duty. I was a, a chemistry professor at the Air Force Academy at the time and this was the remnant that began so that that group of men we started writing pro-life reflections on the daily mass readings this group of men and then we started sharing them with people just adding friends and family to the cc box we exceeded the hotmail cc box of 300 so someone suggested we start a blog through blogger so in 2008 2009 we started a blogger account, started sending out these devotions, pro-life devotions daily. And then in 2008, 12 of us out of the over 300 people agreed to go run the Chicago Marathon. 12 October 2008 was the, the birth of Life Runners, the apostolate. By the way, that's, isn't that the
1: anniversary 12. of Aponto? Isn't <laughs> awesome. it? Isn't it? Am I wrong? I don't know. Maybe. Let me Google that. So, By the way, well, yeah. you I don't know if you guys listen. I do this. Cause I'm a <laughs> bibliomaniac, It's a obsession. People mention books. I buy them. Yeah. I just got the audible book <laughs> as you were talking. Okay. October about
0: uh, Neil Lozano battle. Yep, I just, unfound. I just got
1: it. It's free. It's free by the way on so Amazon good. right now, but not the audible, but I had a credit. Okay. Battle yeah, of Lepanto. Okay. Um, that's unbelievable. So let me, let me tell you, um, there we go. no, I'm sure that was October 7th. So, um, Here's my, my, I have a friend, I was at a Hollywood party, this was a weird party, I've had a weird life, you know, so I'm at this Hollywood party, <laughs> I'm not kidding you, it's a bunch of Disney kids, like yeah. big celebrities, Disney kids, I'm at, I don't, don't want to get I'm always afraid that, like, actors will get in trouble for being my friend, but this is a Hollywood guy, actor, Disney guy, and think of all the famous Disney people, they were there, and he invited me. To come to the party, and I had all these interns from China with me. So I bring these interns from China, they're interning for Movie to Movement. I bring them with me to this Hollywood guy's home, and you know, a lot of A list celebrities there. And it's a presidential debate. It's like 2016. Yeah, 2016. Primary debate. It was a primary debate. And uh, he asked me to come and be like the political commentator for the debate, to answer all their questions. So all these young actors, like 20 to 30 years old. There's this older guy, you know, maybe uh, 10 years older than me. and uh, But we were old dudes there, right? It was Eduardo Varastegui was there with me, the star of Bella. You know, and then this guy, we were the old dudes, and the rest of them were like these Disney kids. and But this one guy from Italy, he looked really holy. You ever look at someone and go, there's something unique about them? And I just walked over and said, what is it about you, brother? You just look like a holy guy. Like, I just see God all over you, grace, radiating off of you. And he was an animator in the entertainment industry. And he said, I don't know. I said, come on, you know. And he goes, I know. I know what it is. I go, okay, what is it? And he says, well, my uncle, my great uncle, or grandpa, I forget, was Padre Pio's altar server and best friend uh, since their whole life together. Yeah. And no, and he was his godfather. That's right. It was his godfather and maybe an uncle. Yeah. And he would always have Padre Pio pray for me every day. Well, one day, Padre Pio, um, with the stigmata, scabs would fall off his hands. That's right. And one day, this gentleman's godfather... Saw a scab fall, and when Padre Pio was not in the room, he picked up the scab, put it in tissue, put it in his pocket to give to his godson. Relic. Then Padre Pio came in and said, why do you take what belongs to me? Give it back. (laughs) Right? And he says, oh, I'm sorry, Father, I was going to give it to my godson. He goes, your godson can have it till the day I die.
0: Flash Mm. forward.
1: This young man, they put the scab in a frame, In their house. Again, if you're not Catholic, you're like, these Catholics are whacked.
0: These Catholics (laughs) are really weird.
1: We are weird. I get it. So (laughs) think of this as like you're peeking in on a strange cult. This is what we do. So they have this scab in a frame on the wall. And this guy on this day from school, he brought his friends that wanted to see the scab. And they went in and the scab was gone, and um, yeah. he, they didn't know what happened, and he went to his mom. The mom didn't know what happened. Well, they found out later that day that Padre Pio had passed that day.
0: Yeah. You, you, you know? That's, that's wild. Bishop Joe, Bishop Joe Coffey always shrugs when he hears stories like this, and he says, huh, these things happen. <laughs> and unlike that's, your story, there line. was no running and they were only, they were probably at sea level,
1: probably eight feet above sea yeah. level,
0: right? Right. <laughs> okay. You know, we've gotten smarter over the years, Jason. So that first race where we raised money for the Life Network in Colorado Springs for ultrasound equipment. So, of course, so mothers could see their unborn children. And we know the stats across those pregnancy health centers 64% to 90% effectiveness when a mother sees that unborn baby ultrasound. So those 12, Life runners, that first team in 2008 with the Chicago Marathon, uh, we have, maybe you'd say, gotten smarter. Uh, we, we learned how to grow. We did not grow much when we were just a marathon team. There was 12 of us in 08, still 12 of us Maybe in when you pitched to oh, it, hey.
1: <laughs> maybe when you were pitching it to me the first time, I'm like, kooky, maybe it was just marathons. <laughs>
0: yeah. And then in 2011, we, we said, hey, you know, if people want to run a half marathon or a 5K, that'd be fine. And we went to 170 life runners. And then in 2012, we got even smarter. We said, wait a minute. If anybody's willing to walk out their front door with a life runner shirt, life runner's jersey, because we're a team that says, remember the unborn on the back with a big cross on the front and the Holy Spirit dove and Jeremiah five reference. If anybody is willing to do that, that's a marathon for life. That's redemptive. Why? Because just walking into our culture, it's hard. It's sacrificial. It's holy because we do it for another. We do it for God. Why do we, how can I say we do it for God? Because we know Matthew 25, 40, what we do for the least of our brothers and sisters, we do for Christ. So we're doing it for God. We're in that message. And we're also doing it for the least of our brothers and sisters. So it's sacrificial. It's holy. It's us living out our identity in Christ as we represent Christ as Christians, represent him as priest, prophet, and king. So we got smarter, Jason, or the Holy Spirit just inspired us with that big W. It's not that you got smarter. You did
1: the classic strategy, which is you got the true believers as your first adapters.
0: Ooh! No, you did, hardcore, it. You like did it right. Fossil. It's like
1: tech companies do, right? Hardcore. They go to these conferences, they get the tech geeks in, and then once you get the tech geeks to buy ah. in and love it, then everyone else follows. I, I said I don't it. run. I often run. I'm going to be honest. I do run. I run to Taco Bell often after midnight for burritos. <laughs> so I run to the border. Taco Jill yep. and Jason Jones run to the border
0: at midnight. You're an ultra marathoner. You run from ultra. the finish line of a marathon to the ultra Michelob tent. I'm
1: not going to even be at the the marathon. You know, I've always (laughs) wanted to run, but I have a lot of good excuses not to. Well, but they're not really good, but they're good for me. (laughs) Well, you know, because what I say is I don't want to put pressure on my joints because I love doing Muay Thai, which is damaging enough to my body. And how many years left do I have as a 50 year old getting a punch, getting to get in fights with 25 year olds? Uh, You know, all consensual in a gym. But, but this is why I don't really, but I need to run. I, you know I'm going to commit to doing one life runner. What's the smallest race I can do?
0: 5K. So you can do a 5K. And you could even do it, you know, it's 3.1 miles. You can walk, jog it, run it, whatever you want to commit. And that's going on right now until August 7th. So that that, that relay across America, 5,359 miles with those – you know, life runners. Teams. So I could We're just go run jersey a 5K bed.
1: by myself, or do I have to enter a company? In your neighborhood.
0: You, you, could, you could go out by yourself. Why? Because you're a public it. witness. You're I'm outside. doing it. So I got to so get the like, shirt. I said, so I got to
1: order the shirt. I got to get FedEx. So where do I go? To your website.
0: Yeah. Yep.
1: Okay, I'm, I'm going to do it. this. I promise. I'm going to do a 5K. Aye.
0: All right. You in my it. neighborhood. And I'm going to get your jersey. And yep. I'm going to try to and run I the whole thing. Because I think I
1: have pretty good cardio. You know, Muay Thai yeah. is a cardio-intensive sport.
0: Yeah. Oh, my goodness, I yeah. just did 15 rounds last week. Head. It is cardio. Yeah, it's 15 Time rounds. I did 15 falling.
1: three-minute rounds. Oh, my word, So that's yeah, like cardio. running an hour, right, almost? So Yeah,
0: incredible
1: cardio. Okay, so we're going to yeah. do this. You're going to send me the shirt. I'll do it. Yep. But I want to – can it. I ask you – because, okay, this is part of the 49 days in a row or so of podcasts following the fall of Roe. Traveling a lot, so it's probably going to be like forty nine days, over forty nine shows over like sixty days is what it's going to be. But wow, um, what I want to do is really capture the fullness of the diversity and beauty of the pro life movement. I'm also doing some other shows, but like Life Runners is very special. And why the pro life movement succeeded the way, unlike no other movement did so rapidly in changing American culture, was Mm -hmm. because of things like Life Runner. These just eruption of beautiful things. But I also want to get, like, the diversity of, in, of the leaders. Like, you, you know, obviously you have your Ph.D. in nano-analytic chemistry. You taught mm-hmm. ethics at the Air Force. So I want to I go back to that. Can we go back to that? Yeah, absolutely. So I always say that the logic of Roe has infected us everywhere from foreign policy to, to um, foster care. And ending abortion, even once we amend the Constitution... It's going to be a decades-long journey into the culture of life. And I want to go back later on to the sacrament of sports and talk about your fog, running through the fog as a metaphor. (laughs) Yeah, But um, there's a lot of work to be done. You know, in World War II, when we began strategic bombing of Germany, I know a lot of Army Air Corps officers resigned um, because Mm -hmm. we intentionally targeted civilians. And then we dropped two atom bombs on city centers which is a direct violation of the just war tradition and definitely the Catholic tradition yep. of war, which I would have to believe that you hold to. We we can never intentionally target civilians. Yep. When you were teaching ethics at the Air Force and some of these uh, uh, officers, future officers, would go on to come, you know, they'd be in charge of drones and, yep. you know, nuclear, the Air Force is responsible for our nuclear arsenal, correct?
0: Yes. So a, correct, we have correct, we have not.
1: strategic do we still have strategic nuclear weapons targeting cities, centers?
0: Um obviously my role, Jason, was if you look at my bio, I was a weapons of mass destruction defense officer.
1: But you taught ethics so to cadets. Always,
0: so my so in, in visiting with cadets, you used all those classic ethical discussions, you know, loyalty versus doing the right thing. And of course it one thing that you and I, oh, I like that
1: loyalty, of, like to your chain of commander, to your cohorts, right. And never, never things. obeying an illegal order. and
0: You got it. Okay. And one thing that you and I loved about wearing the uniform, whether it absorbed in the way I'm going to describe it, we certainly knew it in our gut is we love that the military was not utilitarian. It wasn't a greatest good organization. What I mean by that, if it was, can you imagine the commanders going, well, we have Jason Jones that is, you know, uh, behind enemy lines. And it's just one, we're not going to risk 600 people and assets. No, we were in an organization where we knew it was very Christ-like with the Jesus left the 99 for the one, you know, people would ask me all the time, how did you resolve your Christian faith being in the United States air force for 25 years? And I said, because the core values of the air force were integrity first service before self excellence in all we do. Jesus, those are core values of, of Christ. And when I, even that little story I just told about the parable, of the 99 and the idea that if we were shot down behind enemy lines or Something happened. We knew that our 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 you know comrades in arms, the profession of arms, was coming for us, and that was different than any other slice of humanity. It was different because it was sacrificial. It was different because there was something bigger than ourselves. It was holy, and so teaching ethics at a military academy, it was a delight because I could speak from the perspective of Christ.
1: Okay, you blocked and bridge there a little bit, sir. <laughs> I, I I liked your answer, obviously. But um did you address like strategic bombing, the ethics of strategic bombing or
0: h- how to use drones? You know, First I know year. under the Obama administration yeah.
1: over 500 children yep. were killed by US drone strikes. Um now that yeah. was unintentional. Um but were you were you I mean, I know you. So what I I'm, I'm asking a leading question, but I know were you able to fully communicate the Western tradition of ethics and just war at the Academy, or did you feel kind of we hemmed did. in by the uh, curriculum? No.
0: Yeah, no, we were. I mean, like, for example, um, when you think about modern weaponry, I mean, come on, it's not like world war two with carpet bombing to be able to get your target. They didn't carpet bomb cities because you know, Oh, we just want to take out as many people. No, if you study that, those cities were, were taken out because there was an, something that they were trying to hit, and we didn't have the accuracy, the precision now with GPS-guided weapons in modern warf- warfare. So one thing, you know, living in, uni- in uniform today, when you have discussions like we're having right now with the ethics of just war theory, is now, my goodness, it's amazing how they can put a weapon right through the front door of the enemy's house. And yeah. so there just shouldn't be, Jason. Like you're you're asking about the the level of collateral damage, friendly fire, like even that we had in Vietnam. There was still modern warfare. There just isn't much of it anymore. Praise God. Yeah,
1: and and strategic bombing. When we look back at World War II, probably prolonged the war. Correct. I mean, it didn't. It wasn't really effective. It, yeah. Well, it was we wasted a lot of time and energy bombing cities that we maybe. Would have better been put to yeah. use they on military target. targets. Yeah,
0: Trying to find one military target, you know, a, a needle in a haystack, if you will. Because we didn't have all that satellite imagery. We just were like, well, it's, we know it's somewhere in this town or this, you know, strategic target is somewhere in this town. And so, yeah, there would be all that collateral damage. Super sad. But still with just word, it, to not dodge your question, right? I mean, you, it's got to be able to be not rationalized justified and is there such a thing? Well, then you get into all those ethical conversations. What if someone was busted in your house to, you know, and had a gun pointed at your family? Is it okay to defend your family? Is it okay to return some sort of force to disarm that person? Well of course. And then that thought I just had, that's where it fans out into any scenario of exerting, you know, a force that could be deadly force. There's just four there in a nutshell, but those conversations I enjoyed having those tough conversations. And the with cadets, cadets
1: did the cadets enjoy those conversations? I, mean, I have to imagine did, it was probably really popular class.
0: Yeah, they did. In the in the program for those that are still hanging in there and hanging with with you and I in this, you know, spicy all things considered discussion of you know our backgrounds and how that pertains to the pro life movement, how that pertains to ending abortion. Um, you know, I guess for, for listeners, yeah, when you know, those those cadets, they are being trained to be at the the title of the Air Force Academy is the world's premier institution of building leaders of character. So let's say it a different way. Leaders that are that are trained to do the right thing, that are expected to do the right thing. And that's fantastic to work and teach in such an environment. And right now, cadet third class grace castle in the same cadet squadron i was in uh three doors down from my cadet squadron. whoa tell me about this terrible. oh you
1: just you just ran right <laughs> past that so your daughter grace is a cadet right now a
0: cadet she's a cadet right now Oh, congratulations was, it, it's so neat because so she made it through her first year which of course at a military academy wow that first year oof-da. i mean it is a deal what you know, oof Is that? Bacteria. Is that,
1: uh, is that uh, Air Force Hua? Yeah, that
0: is. I haven't that's, even made fun a, of you yet. For,
1: let me ask you a question. Do you think it's fair yeah. that you guys get to eat lobster in country clubs while guys like me had to eat <laughs> spam and eggs in a cafeteria?
0: Do you think that's fair? My only. Jason, my only response to that is uh-huh. for the newest service. Yeah. <laughs> and no, so you're not. You are, are not the newest tonight. service. You are not. You that's f- true. Space, space command. Space <laughs> command. You forgot about the Space Force. And my daughter is a space cadet, so she went through is this summer. Is she a space cadet? She, she went through a one-week go-fly some satellites and we'll give you your cadet, your space cadet certification. So she's a space cadet. She made it through jump school this summer survival training that's a who that's an army who but do the army air corps so she's in hua. the air
1: force see i'm not going to make fun of your daughter but i was going to ask her did she learn how to eat lobster because i still don't know how to eat lobster i suspect <laughs> you have to learn that pretty early on as a cadet in the air force because you know in the army we had to learn how to you take an mre <laughs> and then you take tabasco sauce and mud and you can make casseroles all sorts of things And
0: weren't those little mini (laughs) Tabasco sauce bottles delightful? They handed – we don't talk about it, but, yeah, they handed those to us in survival training too. What
1: do you mean you don't talk about Was it traumatic? Do you have to get PTSD (laughs) training for the time you had to eat an MRE? (laughs)
0: An MRE.
1: You're like, this is unbelievable, sir. Can I have the gluten-free MRE? (laughs) This this has gluten in it. No, we're teasing. You know, look, we can't all test. Well, you know, I think it's not that we're dumb in the infantry. We just don't do well on tests is what we're saying.
0: Well, we're, we're super super grateful that you softened the battlefield for, for the Marine Corps and the Rangers and everyone to walk in. So the infantry is hats off to the, infantry, to be, for the no, infantry.
1: I will say, honestly, it's the best job. But I remember when we would see the Air Force, it would be usually boarding those like strata fortresses, which are just the most amazing thing. And so all these grunts, we'd be boarding mm-hmm. these planes like in awe. It's like, whoa, what is this? Yeah. And then the Air Force guys would be looking at the weapons we're carrying, you know, yeah, dragons like, and AT-4s and flashes yeah, and M60s. And they'd be looking at our weapon systems like, whoa. They'd be impressed yeah. with our weapons, and we'd be looking at these planes. Got it. Like, this is the Strata Fortress, what is the largest plane in in, in the Air Force? I mean, that's the biggest one I saw, and that thing was just huge.
0: Yeah, the current the, the, current the Galaxy. big boy is, is the C-17. Is that the yeah. Galaxy? Yep, that's the that's the big one. Before that was the C five,
1: which is the Stratofortress.
0: Fortress? the plane is the C seventeen now.
1: How much bigger than is the Galaxy than the Stratofortress?
0: Um, it, it's the so you're thinking of the B fifty two. Only if uh, um, Google and the B fifty two, Jason, is still being flown. So how cool is it that back when you know you and I were eighteen years old in uniform, the B fifty two Stratofortress was being flown, and it. Still and my When
1: did that go into service? I mean, maybe my dad was on that, too. I don't know. He was the, a the, the,
0: the number. Yeah, so here's a little fun fact for any of the the, the military junkies listening. The B-52 was, was put on in the air in 1952.
1: Well, my grandpa was in Korea in World War two, so maybe three four generations because my yes. grandpa served during the Korean War, so that would have been in service. My dad, Vietnam yep. era. Me in the 80s, 90s, my son yep. in the 2000s, uh, he fought in Iraq and Syria. That's unbelievable. Well, I carried hey, the same. I, I carried an time? M16 and an M60, the same thing my father carried.
0: Same here. Those are the two weapons I carried in basic training. Yep, same. So that ties up. Yeah. And to pivot this into all things pro-life, you know, I, I like that we're talking just war theory and ethics and how, of course, abortion, there's nothing – ethical about it. There's nothing just about it. There's been more loss of life on average. One average year of abortion in America, which averages out over a million Americans dying per year on average since Roe v. Wade, praise God it's now post-Roe, than all combat casualties in the history of our country. And that number is 650,000. So 650,000 direct combat casualties And to think that abortion has claimed more lives per year than all combat casualties in the history of our country. You want to talk about what's the greatest weapon of mass destruction ever to enter the the humanity. It's abortion by the numbers. And how cool is it that, you know, my duty title, weapons of mass destruction, defense officer, that, you know, I've been able to use that perspective, that, strategic perspective that we used with WMD and point it right at abortion portion because it is a WMD by the numbers. And then more kind of, you know, jumping us back into all things pro-life. How about our teammates, our past, you know, past in review salute teammate Nellie Gray. She was a World War II veteran. She was an Army Air Corps member to tie you in. I and didn't know that. You know, and here's what,
1: let me tell you a secret, Pat. I didn't tell you this, but you know what inspired me to do this 49 days in a row of row? Mm -hmm. I am the, I think you would agree with this. Maybe you feel the same way. I feel like I'm the Forrest Gump of the pro-life movement.
0: (laughs) I like the analogy. I've been around
1: all these heroes. Like Nellie Gray, the founder of the March for Life, was my friend. Yep. And I adored her. And she tolerated me. (laughs) She was
0: tough, wasn't she? She was was tough. tough. I'd always
1: say, Nellie. You need to have more celebrities. I'm not going to have a celebrity come here, and then two years later, they're no longer pro-life, and they embarrass us. I'm not done with that. She was so tough. But um, I did not know that. So the reason I'm doing this 49 days in a row or so of episodes on Roe v. Wade is not for people listening today. I'm glad they're listening. I hope they go to MyPillow.com, use the code JONES, and get those Giza Dream Sheets. But it's really for people 100 years from now, and I don't think that Code Jones is working if this is 100 years from now, uh, but you can try it. Hope it is. That would be great for my great-great-great-grandchildren. But um, I want people to know, and rem- I want them to know, it's like I feel the honor that I have had to, to live in the midst of the most beautiful and passionate social movement in the history of this republic for sure, but probably in the world. It's also a global movement. We are knit together. Yeah. We have very close friends. And every, in fact, I got a message today from Ireland, from a guy to, to send his, um, a, a pro-life message to someone in his family, uh, for their birthday. We're a global movement mm-hmm. and we transcend generations. Like, you know, Nellie gray touched millennials lives and she yeah. was my friend and I'm a gen Xer. And I did not know she was in the army Air Corps. That's, Absolutely unbelievable, which means she has something in common with me and you. That's when you could. Yeah. And I, I wonder if they ate like us, or if they still ate special. I'm going to research <laughs> that. To the army, yeah. did they get treated differently than we do? You know, I used to. I think I said yeah, this last yeah. time we were on the show. If I was in the field for a couple of weeks, and I you'd you'd smell like ter- turpentine. It's, it was really weird. Mm-hmm. You'd have you never probably experienced that. You smell. You haven't showered in weeks, and the smell is is like turpentine. And and. I would go to the Air Force cafeteria. For cologne. Huh? For cologne. No, no, clone. no, just to walk through and, and try to punish them.
0: Yeah, oh, sure, with the stink. I yeah. would flash like,
1: my uh, ID, grab a tray. Air Force clone. They okay. would ask me to leave, and I would not. It's a true story. <laughs> Spicy you know, meatball. When I was on a Navy ship, I just went into the officer's quarters past the line and the little velvet cord and helped yeah. myself to their food which shocked everyone this e2 bold spirit 18 year old private was i was your little, way to jesus i was a bolshevik i was offended at how different the officers were treated on a navy ship than enlisted and my captain had to sit me down and say jones have you ever heard the expression you've crossed the line i said yeah he goes it Quite comes literally. It, he goes you just did it in a literal way you know yeah. They can shoot you for crossing. He goes, they, they can oh, right. shoot you for crossing Same, that line. line.
0: That's true. Yeah, that's true. And I true. said, like, what, sir? Flight. He goes, yeah, it's
1: we have different cultures for different reasons. I eat in a hole wow. with you because we're Army and that's what we do. But they used to have mutinies. And they used to have to push their sailors to do really hard things. and There would be mutinies, and so they had a certain line for the officers, and if an enlisted man crossed that line, pow, pow, and you crossed yeah. the line, they just thought you were an idiot so you didn't get shot. <laughs> He goes. I know you did this as some sort of social protest because you're nuts. Anyway, I people are listening are like this guy really had an issue with how the other branches of the service <laughs> ate.
0: I did. No, it's we know that this is this is our camaraderie. This is part of being sister and brother services. It, we're supposed to toughen each other up. So I, yeah. It's, <laughs> so it's, says it's the resistance. guy that has a
1: golf course yeah. on his
0: base. Okay.
1: <laughs> sure, that's what it is. It's camaraderie, Pat Castle. That's yeah. what this is.
0: Sure. And back to Nellie, who yes. you know, ties us with her being a World War II Army Air Corps veteran. Neat little tie-in for you and I's last huddle and high five at the Chicago Law of Life Summit just this past week is Royce and Aunt Royce Hood and myself. So the the founders of the Law of Life Summit, we were on the phone with Nellie, inviting her to be the first speaker of the law of life summit and while we were visiting with her she had a stroke Whoa. she had a stroke while we were in the, and we could hear it we so we could hear it in her voice and I said Nellie you're, now you're having a stroke and she just you know had the hardest time believing that was really happened Royce called a March for Life board member who went to her house got her took her to the hospital and Nellie contacted Royce and I and said you guys you're right. The doctor told me if I wouldn't have made it to the hospital, it, it might have cost me my life. So to think that Nellie, you know, that was the the year prior to her passing. So then a few months later, Nellie was indeed the first speaker at the first Law of Life Summit, which was in January of 2012, and then she passed away in August of 2012. So there's you talked about just the all the history of the pro-life movement, how it brings us all together. There's a story that pulls you and I, Royce, and, and Nellie Gray together, all tied well, together.
1: And, and this is my point and why I'm doing the 49 days in a row or so, because not only are we knit together across time now with Nellie, mm-hmm. who is deceased, but we're knit together to young people listening to this 100 years ago for their, you know, American history class or whatever they you know, they've uploaded it to their Nero link or whatever's going on. Um, we're knit together with them, and they're going to be fighting new eruptions of subhumanist ideologies that are demeaning the human person. And right, right. so this is a never-ending. Yep. It's a never-ending battle against Mordor. It's a, the, <laughs> well, the, absolutely the journey toward the culture of life is is never-ending, right?
0: Because it's the battle of life and death, good and evil, God and Satan. Absolutely. So, so
1: we're we're knit together with them as well. Tell, now I want I want to wrap this up with and I want everyone listening whether you like to run or not um, to really participate with Life Runners. Now how does this work? We can just grab a, yeah. you know, we 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 go to the website, we order Sure how does this work?
0: Yeah, so the, so the mission of Life Runners, we are a messaging ministry. For a messaging ministry, because as we alluded to earlier, we wear a shirt that we call our jersey, we call our jersey because we're really a team. We've got a cheer. Maybe we could finish with the cheer today, Jason. We got a hand. I'll do it. Okay, let me pull it up the cheer. Uh, yeah, Hold on, keep going. Puzzle. Yeah. We, we, we go to a big national marathon each year. And To remind listeners, marathons now have half marathons, 10Ks, 5Ks, and even one mile fun runs. So there's something for everybody of all ages at these national marathons. This year, we're in at the St. Jude Marathon on December 2nd in Memphis, Tennessee. Next year, we're in the Black Hills of South Dakota at the Crazy Horse Marathon in October of next year. So once a year, we go, and we're the largest team to show up at these events. And so we've got super fast people like Alan Webb, the American record holder in the mile. What? That, you know, show up him and his wife. Who's he's on our team. He, wife, you know what I want him to do
1: he, if he's listening?
0: Yeah. He, I got, he I, got I, I, there's
1: something I want him to do. You know what I would do if I were him? Yeah. What? I would come from behind every race so everyone had to see my jersey.
0: You got it. I would be yeah. the come
1: from behind kind king. I'd say, okay, I'm going Everyone
0: gonna, gets to see it. 346.9. That is time. That is miletons, American record. And he now does distance. He now runs, you know, half and full marathons, as does his wife. His wife has the world record, the Guinness Book of World Record, for fastest half marathon pushing a baby stroller. One of their kids, Gabby, she pushed as a baby in the Life Runners event in 2019 in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And how cool is this? 123 and some change is the Guinness Book of World Record. And she had to remember the unborn jersey. That's story was the front page online Fox News on Thanksgiving 2019. Julia Webb pushing a stroller with a Remember the Unborn jersey on for the world record. This is our team. And then, of course, you've got on the other side, you've got 101-year-old uh, life runners in nursing homes and wheelchairs. You've got babies in onesies that say Remember the Unborn, they're teammates. So we like to say our teammates are ages 0.1 to 101. And don't get mad at me Jason, but I say some of the best news for the end here. All right. For those that have been Why would I be, be mad? Be. <laughs> Why would I be mad? You so, might be running is optional. Why would I be mad? I love it. You might be thinking you're holding out on me, but run, No, I'm going to yeah, run. Running. I'm run. I'm doing it. I'm doing <laughs> I am doing 5K. I will do Praise it. God. Good. And you know I'm going to have your jersey to you in time for you to do it before that month. I'm going to do it. Sem-
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna put it on social media. I'm gonna have my Love headphones it. in, listening to Unbound, while Praise I am God. running, I and then you guys teamwork. can do it while you're listening to the Jason Jones show. And you, got uh, it. you know, I get a lot of people message me. Some of these shows are, you know, um, Patrick Novakowski. If you know Patrick Novakowski, oh, former editor of Legatus Magazine, great <laughs> yeah. guy. Yes,
0: yeah.
1: he listens to the show. He never misses an episode, and he he tells me that he uh, I go along with him for his runs, and he runs marathons and things. So I wonder yeah. how many people are listening to this. That I offended when I told them that life runners was a bad idea.
0: <laughs> They're like, "Well, then I no. I,
1: I would probably lose ten percent of my audience if I did not for so, runners."
0: I like it because it shows that it's hard. You know, it's hard, and who's going to do that? And we know that, as we talked about earlier, when something is difficult, when it's sacrificial, it it's typically holy. I mean, if you're willing to do something uncomfortable for a greater cause. You're probably walking in the realm of, of holiness. And so these jerseys with remember the unborn on the back, the cross on the front, you know, why do that? You know, so I said a messaging ministry, but does it matter? A lot of people are like, well, does it matter, you know, putting on a shirt and going to the grocery store, going for a walk, let alone running a race? You know, people can wear them anytime they want out in public. Because people are reading your, your, what you're wearing, especially when it's on your back. They can and look you're at from it their tribe.
1: It. I've always said, we're end, we've end, you know, the pro-life movement has had success once we became tribal. When we were three monolithic organizations representing three major worldviews or strategies or tactics, mm-hmm. that left a lot of people out. Even a lot of people who agreed were like, I don't feel a real affinity But But when you have that tribal identity, that tribal affinity, um, it becomes um, very intimate. So if I'm a pro-life guy, we'll just imagine 55% of the people running are pro-life. And then of those 55%, 30% are probably really pro-life in any race. And they see you and they feel emboldened, encouraged. They might want to join. Uh, Then you have people that are in the middle and they see someone from their tribe And who looks normal, who's not like the caricature of the type of person they hate. And um, it it brings down the walls of prejudice so they can be open to hearing the truth. um, That's right. About the dignity of the child in the womb. So I think it's great.
0: So encourage them. It encourages people that are pro-life. It also challenges people with such a compassionate. What does the word compassionate mean? It means to suffer with. So people that don't have our views, they look at remember the unborn and it's not like that poking a finger in their eye. It's not profane. It's not mean. It's not judgmental. It just says, remember the unborn. Just, you know, remember the unborn when you're making your decisions, when you're thinking about what you're gonna do. Think of the other. And so it is it's not like we get a lot of blowback from the other side because it's compassionate. It's really quite gentle to to the reality in response to abortion, which makes it more receptive. You know, I've had people that are Pro-choice, let's call it what it is. I mean, pro-choice, one of the choices of abortions. So if you're pro-choice, you know, it. it you got to swallow this. You're pro-abortion. So for pro-abortion people, I've had them say, hey, you know, I, I'm not for your cause. It's like weird, not for life. But yeah, I'm not for your cause, but I respect the way you're doing it. Because it's it's gentle, it's respectful. It's Yeah. And so the, you're wearing this message. So it's encouraging, as you said, our little tribe, people to go, wow, you know. I believe that, and, and I could do that. So it's encouraging, and it also is challenging in a good, respectful, gentle way, compassionate way to the other side. But here comes the right down the middle, the stat that motivates me to, you got to wear something. Why not wear your witness? And why not wear a witness that is life-saving? And the stat that backs up that statement that's life-saving is that Students for Life study that said that 78% of post-abortion mothers reported that if just one person had encouraged them or, footnote, had seen one encouraging sign. Well, guess what? A life runner is an encouraging person with an encouraging sign. So you want to talk about encouragement and to think that that's all it would take in a grocery store line, walking around the block, that someone in an unexpected pregnancy, some influencer that has that influence with someone they love, that sees a shirt that says, remember the unborn, and does exactly that. Huh? You know what? We're not going to abort this. And
1: how – can you share with us a beautiful story? Do you have any – give us one story. I do. One life runner story.
0: Yeah, I'll I'll give a story of where that message is all they needed, and then I'll give you a story of a healing message. Because it's good that we – focus in post-Roe America on all the shrapnel. I mean, of course, we still have bombs blowing up in people's lives because, you know, there's still abortion going on uh, throughout America in, in most states. But still, as we as we start making that transition to being truly a culture of life and, and defending life as the Constitution intended, there's just a lot of hurt people from the bombs blowing up, the, the weapon of mass destruction of abortion. And so I'll tell one where just a message mattered. And I had a lady come up to me after doing a presentation on St. Padre Pio in Lansing, Michigan. I was the, the courier of the St. Padre Pio relics. So I was asked, hey, you had an encounter with them. Would you travel with the relic to Lansing, Michigan and tell, uh, you know, give an hour presentation on St. Pio? Gladly, I'd love to share about the mystical priest. So, during that presentation, I also shared, like we're doing today, well, what's life runners? You know, why is life runners involved with St. Padre Pio? A lady in that presentation walked up and said, Pat, that stat you shared that all, that 78% said, post abortion women said that all they needed was just a seed of encouragement, just a little nudge to encourage them to choose life that's true. And I get, I have lots of stories like this, but this is what I'm going to tell. She shared that 30 years earlier, she was sitting in a, in a hard rock cafe in Los Angeles. And she was in an unexpected pregnancy and she bowed her head. and was like, Lord, I just need a sign that it's going to be okay that I can do this. And she said, she lifted her head up and there was a mural in the hard rock cafe and it said birth of rock and roll. And the sun was shining just on the word birth. And she looked at me and she said, that's all I needed. I just needed that little bit of encouragement that, you know, it's going to be okay, that there's going to be help, that there's a community of faith, real family, real neighbors, real body of Christ, that I don't have to do this alone. So she told me that story. That's a messaging story that wearing a remember the unborn shirt. Imagine other uh, women in mothers and fathers and unexpected pregnancies seeing a life runner shirt walking down the street. Remember the unborn with that same impact. Now a healing story. I went uh, a few months ago to a divine mercy Bible study to learn about divine mercy, which St. John Paul II, you know, ushered into the the truth of divine mercy from St. Faustina Into the church and the importance of divine mercy, especially at such a time as this, how important mercy is in the world. And at this Bible study, it was just introduction day. You know, the first day, hey, introduce yourself. And I'm like, you know, I'm Pat. I help out with the ministry called Life Runners. And a lady across the table said, why are you wearing that shirt? (laughs) Just like that. I said, oh, well, this is our jersey. And she said, no, on the back of it, I saw when I came in. I said, "Oh, it says remember the unborn. W- why why are you wearing that?" And I said, "Oh, just to encourage, you know, mothers that are in a unexpected pregnancy." And she said, "Oh, I wish I would have seen a shirt like that."
1: 30 wow. some years.
0: ago." Wow, wow. wow and wow, I wow. and then you know, I paused and she goes, "I haven't told hmm. anyone this, even my husband." I mean, this is how deep, you know, rooted that ugh that, that abortion is. So here's this, you know, woman who's been married for over twenty years in an abortion that happened over thirty years ago. Hadn't even told her husband, but she said, I came to this divine mercy Sunday, this this divine mercy study because I want to be free Praise from God. my abortion decision. Praise God. There's there's the power of messaging and encouraging. And you messaging. know a lot of people listening, forward. I
1: think, are afraid to wear shirts with pro-life messages on it because they're, they're afraid of confrontation they and are. what people don't understand is I'm not going to not say you're never going to have a confrontational experience um, but that's rare it's I mean, rare the big the things that you get that are unbelievable are yeah. the stranger who comes up to you and hugs you and starts crying on your shoulder Absolutely. or the young girl who comes up to you and these stories are unbelievable and that's been the greatest grace for me in the pro-life movement um, are these stories where I'm wearing a pro-life shirt or a precious yeah. feet on a flight and a flight attendant asks me about it. And that leads to a yeah. conversation. And then I'm writing down the, the website to Rachel's vineyard or something like that. Yeah. Um, that's what, and that's why Pat Castle, I just, I admire you. You're a great man. And I to, brother. you're like a pillar in our <laughs> civilization. You're a pillar in our society. I want to end on oh. this. What was the inciting incident? What led you to becoming a pro life activist?
0: Okay. You know, so I I I referenced the Saint Padre Pio encounter earlier in our conversation. But you were pro
1: life already, right? I mean you were what what got pro-life, you what got you to be pro life, I guess, is what I'm thinking
0: of. Or... Yeah, so I like to say that people as they become more pro life, they become more pro God. As they become more pro God, they become more pro life. I just see this as a very um, logical um, thing that happens. I see this. So when people's faith grow, it becomes more positive. They become more positive, they become more serious about their faith. And so for me, you know, I was pro-life, but it was when I became more serious about representing Christ, being a Christian, really doing what, Jesus asked us to do in Luke chapter 9 verse 2. Proclaim the kingdom of God, heal the wounded, and help deliver people from evil. Luke chapter 9 verse 2. That's what he asked all of us to do. He said that to the multitudes, for everyone listening. That's us. We have a priestly, prophetic um, identity, priest, prophet, and king. And in that kingly identity, we have the authority vested in us from the king. We have the power of the Holy Spirit. So when I got more serious about my faith. And when that collided with the reality that the crown jewel of Satan is abortion, and with that military approach, with that weapons of mass destruction defense pers- person in me, that just wanted to protect people, you know, save people, you know, be heroic, be heroically pro-life. Those things came together which activated me, Jason, into saying, okay, let's go defend the least of our brothers and sisters who's with me and i'm kind of used to putting on a uniform so i know who's with me hey how does this shirt work for you that says remember the unborn so we know who our friends are when we're out there and so people can join us and know who to talk to so there's kind of a nucleating story and I wanna, if I may, Jason, as we're winding out, I wanna. I, I you never heard the, the word
1: nucleating in the army. Never, no one once ever used that in a sentence. <laughs> Is that a common word you guys I, use in sentences in the Air Force? Science. Was that on the <laughs> ASVAB? Was that one of the questions I got wrong on
0: the ASVAB? Oh man, I'm smiling so big. So, Jason, I wanna firm you with a with a Jason Jones story. uh Oh. So my Jason Jones story, as we, I saved mine for the end. You told your Pat Castle stories at the front. So my Jason Jones story is uh, my wife and I went to see the movie Bella. And um, as we were leaving the theater, after the, seeing the movie Bella, I, I, there was a, a teenage girl in front of me that turned the corner as we came down the steps out of the theater. And I looked over and saw her profile. And she was, you know, eight months pregnant. And I reached just impulse, the Holy Spirit impulse. Grand, I was inspired by the movie that you produced. And I just reached over the railing and put my hand on her shoulder. And she turned and I looked at her and I said, thank you. Thank you for choosing life. And then I walked around that railing and she looked at me and she said, I needed that. And oh, she praise God. leaned into me, like did the lean in and did the lean in hug, like just that fully surrender hug. I, you know, give this hug, I turn and here is her um, dad standing there. And I said, thanks for being a real dad. You know, I, I have no idea what their story is, but I can see this teenage girl, eight months pregnant at the movie Bella.
1: Oh, she was father. at, she was at Bella. She was in at the, the movie. Oh, pray God. That is awesome. These are people,
0: we're all, we well, you know, Zipper, Zeppa and, and Debbie,
1: Caprizi, some of the people listen to this podcast. Yeah. Uh, they bought out those theaters in St. Louis. We had like, where well, did you get the tickets for free or did you buy your tickets?
0: Um, I went to the, I went to the movie. I, I paid for the tickets. I was in Belleville, Illinois. Oh, okay. When I went to the movie. All right. Yep. That is awesome. So I went to the movie in Belleville, Illinois, but my goodness, what a moment. And then. Jason, just to tie us. I love when we tie each other together as purple suitors, you know, army, air force, whatever, wherever tribe you're in, but we're all hooked up together with a common mission. When I turned away, when my wife and I turned away after greeting them and saying, God bless you and encourage them and walked away, I remember thinking, Wow, they're seeing the back of our jacket. Oh, they that is marks. awesome. And it just ties us that it matters it does. all does. Little and that effort. Bella
1: came out the year that you found a life runner. So that jacket had the new jacket smell still.
0: You, you got it. You got it. So there's my Jason Jones Bella story.
1: Well, Pat um, Castle, I am now a <laughs> life runner. You can add me to the I list. I, the only you thing I would run for is the child in the womb. I promise you that. So I'm going to wait <laughs> for my jacket. I'm going to send you my address. And okay, I've got a spot. Go. I don't want you to go yet. You're giving me something. I'm going to give you something. What's your, you know, when you run. You get tired. You just need a good night's sleep, right? Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you like your pillows? Do you have good pillows.
0: Oh yeah, the my Pillow guy. Do you I have my pillow
1: pillows, or what? Or you just have like we made do. in China pillows? Uh, if
0: you want, if you want a little, a little high five for for Mike. Uh, cadet Grace Castle is has a my pillow in her cadet dorm room.
1: Boom! Whoa! 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 Did you give her whoa, that, whoa, or does right? the Air Force issue that?
0: No, she swapped that thing out. She's like, hey, I need a better pillow. <laughs> so we sent her one. We sent her a my pillow.
1: All right. I hope you use the code Jones. See, that's the key. It's a magic code, yeah. and you put it in the box, and then you get profound discounts. Yeah. <laughs> I bet you didn't use that code. Did you use a code, or did you get it at like the home store in your neighborhood?
0: Um, ordered it. Ordered online.
1: Wow. Yep. I- I, I hope it was the code. Throw. The codes are amazing. Well, first of all, my pillow is the sponsor of the show, and I'm really grateful. And Mike Lindell was in the movie Unplanned. You were a part of the movie Unplanned. And to know that there is a product, a company in America that is fully part of our tribe, this guy funded Unplanned to a part, and Mike Lindell did, and he is the guy that tears down Planned Parenthood sign in the movie. Did you know that? Yeah,
0: I, I knew that. Did you know that I was the evangelical pastor in the movie? Oh, that's right. You were the evangelical. You're an actor too. The key word, Jason, is was. So Abby Johnson Ooh. called me. Hey, Pat, what are you doing tomorrow? Why? Would you come down to Oklahoma City? And we Rick Warren just bailed on being the pastor in the Chicken. scene uh, in Spirit the movie. Cat. He had some conflict. Sure Would he you did. come down sure he did. And, and fill in? I said, um... I, well, there's there's a couple problems. She said what? I said well, number one, I'm I'm not an evangelical pastor. And she said, but you no look problem. and act
1: like one. I'll give him that. That's
0: what she said. She said <laughs> no problem. Everyone thinks you are. And I, she said, what's the other problem? I go well, I'm not an actor. And she said no problem. Just come down and be yourself. I said so. The plan is you want me to come down and just be myself for the scene as the evangelical pastor. She said yep. So I went down there the next day, cut the scene, and the scene is when, this comes from her book, when she was convicted by a Bible verse that her evangelical pastor read at a church service. And that was the the millstone verse, that to lead a child away from God, it'd be better to have a millstone around your neck and cast into the ocean. And so my job was just to go down, you know, kind of do a little, hey, be pat for a moment, read the Bible verse, and that's it. So I did that. Well, when they screened, when when they, Solomon screened that movie, and Carrie, the producers screened that movie with post-abortion women, they found that that verse was condemning, not compassionate to suffer with. So they 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 audibled after the screening, grabbed a local pastor, and used a different Bible verse. So someone that much older, how and they, so good they of them to be thoughtful. How I good? was. How good of them to be thoughtful of that. Yep. And they changed it, and I high-five them. I do hi- high-five them, too. They used Psalm 139, that God knit us together in our mother's wombs, and that was a more compassionate, loving, gentle message for those that were wounded by abortion.
1: I think that's beautiful, and I think that was very good of them. Me and too. I did not know that they had focus group tested their film to see the impact on post-abortive women. Yep. And 5 um, and I, I do high-five them for that, and that is beautiful. Well, Pat Castle, I still got to do a little more stuff here. I'm going to let you okay. go. Uh, how many miles are you going to run today? How many miles did you run today? Did you run today?
0: Already already did it. I went out and did one of the 5K legs. And, you know, you heard me reference that my, my long run for the Across America Relay that began on the Golden Gate Bridge the Brooklyn Bridge near the Canadian border, near the Mexican border on the 4th of July, the birthday of our country under the motto of freedom for all born and unborn and has been moving for the last 30 some days about there, you know, across the country and we'll finish here on August 7th uh, in, in Kansas city where those four arms come together. We did 62.5 miles. Jeff Grabowski, the co-founder flew up from Florida. Uh, he's there in Ave Maria town with the web, Allen, the American record holder in the mile, the life him. runner. He's now the cross country coach for Ave Maria. So they're at Ave Town. But yeah, that was our long run. But today was 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 to go out there and do a leg of the relay. So I did a 5K today, and keeping it moving. So listeners can go to liferunners.org. Hit the join button. You'll get our monthly updates to hear about what Life Runners are doing around the world. We have a new chapter in Pakistan. You'll hear about 12 lives saved by Life Runners in Pakistan with our monthly updates. Do you know we have a and lot of
1: listeners death? in Pakistan? I'm not kidding you. No,
0: it's strange. We <laughs> oh, do fantastic. or not.
1: Yeah, there's probably well, some reasons for that. So we have a listeners in Pakistan. We <laughs> do. So I, I will, let's double. You have 12 members, guys. Let, we've yeah. got a lot more we got a lot of listeners double in Pakistan. It. Let's double the life runners in Pakistan, which I, I will be in Pakistan soon. I was supposed well, to go, go this summer. You know, we are at Vulnerable People Project, overwhelmed with our fundraising yep. obligations. And so I have a lot and of stuff there. that I have to support. Once we get the money and I'm I'm off to Pakistan to meet with some folks who are trying to help. Pat Castle, yeah. thank you for coming on the show. If you are in you're if dinner? you're in Texas, Pat, oh yeah, yeah. But if you're in you Texas it, and you okay. see a limping duck, that's me doing my five K. <laughs> All
0: right. You, all
1: right, hold on. I'm pull- the- hold on. I got to pull it up. I don't know it. It's on your website. I'm pulling it up. Well,
0: I'm going to tell you. Okay, so tell me. Here is all in Christ.
1: All in Christ.
0: For- I'm, for- I'm going to give an all in Christ. And Jason, if you could lead the whole world with the loud and thunderous, this is very army strong. No, this for- is very air.
1: We're not doing this in mean. army. We're looking at you like, what is he at? Huh? But I'm going to do it for <laughs> yeah. you. I'm going to engage in this Air Force culture for you. All I right.
0: love it. So I'm going to give the all in Christ everybody listening wherever they're at, give a loud and thunderous for for pro life. Okay, go go. here we go. All in Christ
1: for pro life.
0: All in Christ
1: for pro life.
0: All in Christ
1: for pro life.
0: Awesome. Whoa,
1: whoa! You got to put a who in there.
0: All right, Pat (laughs) Castle. God bless you, sir. Keep it
1: up. Talk to you soon. Bye
0: bye.
1: What a great guy. All right, guys. I promise you. I do not like running. No, I don't. I do not. I do not like running distance. I don't think I ever did. You know, I was in cross country one year. In eighth grade, I couldn't play football. They didn't They didn't have a Pop Warner team that year where I was living. So I had to, even though I'd been playing Pop Warner, was about to play football next year, I had to find a sport in my junior high. I did cross country. I did not like it. I wrestled too. I did not like it. I, I, don't, I think I wrestled. I don't know why. I, didn't, I don't know why I did join cross-country, and I don't know why I ever wrestled. Those were two sports that I did not find enjoyable. And the worst part, at least in cross-country, when you're going through puberty, just think about this, folks, if you didn't wrestle. Think of what those young men have to wear, and then they're going through puberty. And, you, you know, if you lived in a place like where I live, Chicago, it's cold, and you're walking, you know, around the, the, the halls of the high school going from the gym to the locker room and that, that's not, why would you do that? I think they should, they should get to wear tank tops and surf shorts like jujitsu, and that would be much more appealing to people. And then I did cross country, and we would run, and the whole time I would be thinking about cheese fries. That's it. And I was pretty good at it. I will say, in the Army, I got down to a 10-minute. I did my two miles in like 10 minutes and 12 seconds was my best, and I always wanted to break the five-minute mile. And I was an infantryman. We ran every day, and it took me probably two and a half years to get to that. But I did. But I can say I never, ever once was excited about going for a run. But I'm going to liferunners.org right now. And what's great about this on their website, I'm not kidding you, they have training plans, which I think is unbelievable. They've got Higdon's training guides for the 5K, the half marathon, the full marathon, Higdon's new runner training guide, Spirit of the Marathon, uh, Split Calculator and Target Heart Rate They should f- have a place where to get Ethical shoes You do not want to be wearing Nikes With a li- right Life Runner shirt I'm just telling you now I'm going to look at you funny If I see you wearing a Life Runner shirt I should have brought this up with Pat And you're wearing Nikes shoes Knit together by forced labor By Uyghurs and others In China working for Nike I'm, I'm, I'm going to look at you Kind of funny So I'll be in my new balance made in America. And they're a little more expensive. My next shoes are going to be new balance made in the UK because I just think they look cool. But anyways, I'm on the site now. I have signed up. I'm getting my jersey. I'm going to go running. I would ask that you do it too. Uh, This episode has been brought to you by, you know, my pillow. Also, Epic Times. Go to IReadEpoch.com. Use the code Jason Jones for that great deal on the best newspaper that ever was. And I have to imagine maybe ever will be. How much longer are there going to be newspapers? But this is the newspaper you want. And I mean the print. The digital, they'll have that. You can get that. A dollar, by the way, gets you the digital newspaper right now. Bing, bang, boom. At IReadEpoch.com with the code Jason Jones. Dollar. Unbelievable. And this episode is also being brought to you by the Vulnerable People Project. And so you know, I'm going to start begging like old school televangelists. I'm going to start begging because we are overwhelmed. We have 250 new refugees that fought alongside the United States Armed Forces that were abandoned by a nonprofit that just ran out of money. And we're running. We're run out. We are almost flat broke. We have dumped everything into this. And we're not quitting. I'm about to go low crawling across North America. I'll maybe show up at your house because we're going to support these people till the very end. But we just picked up 250 other folks. And we have to care for it. We have some big movements of evacuations and resettlement. We have a ribbon cutting this week in our first medical center that we built for women in Afghanistan. And uh, if you donate, you get our emails. You get to see all this stuff. You're like, Jason, I do not believe that you right now in in, in Afghanistan, controlled by the Taliban, with ISIS-K running around crazy and the Haqqani Network, that you're opening medical centers for women. Well, believe it. And tomorrow, or in two days, the next two days will be the ribbon cutting. I think it'll be tomorrow. And you won't believe who's going to be there. I'm not even going to say who's going to be there. I don't want to get in trouble. But you'll be surprised who's going to show up at a ribbon cutting for a women's medical center in rural Afghanistan. We've drilled wells. We have begun putting security cameras and security guards in schools for minorities and girls because ISIS has began targeting these schools, ISIS-K. And, of course, we're rescuing Those men and women who served along the United States Armed Forces who are now being hunted because they worked with us. See, they worked for us. We gave them promises. By we, I mean our government, and we broke those promises. But VPP will never break those promises. But we need your help. We need you, not the next guy, not the next gal. We need you to go to thegreatcampaign.org, please, and make a donation, any size donation, any size. And that's a trick. I'm tricking you because I know when you give that $2, if you can do more. If that's all you can do and you give $2, thank you. But if you're like, I'm going to do $2 to get these updates, Jason. See what you're talking about. What I know is you're going to give a lot more because we need a lot. We need help. Thegreatcampaign.org. What am I going to do when I get off this phone? I'm calling some donors. Begging for help because I have 250 souls who if we don't pay for their housing and food in the next couple of days, they'll be released from the safe houses where we're having them. But I promise you, we will meet our goal. We will meet our goal because of you. So thank you. Thegreatcampaign.org. 49 days in a row or so, you're like, Jason, some of you, I can't believe it. I'm like, no one's going to listen to all these shows. But the numbers are great. Everyone's listening. I'm getting tons of emails, tons of shares. And I'm sorry, some people are emailing me, you're not doing 49 days in a row. I'm trying. We just traveled a bunch, and um, it was an exhausting trip. I'm going to be traveling a lot. So we're going to be, you know, it is hard when you're on planes every day. I got all this equipment. I set it up. We're going to do 49 shows in a row. It's probably going to be a lot more. I might just start doing the show this much forever. Don't unsubscribe. I might not. I'm just saying, I might. Just on this, there's so many great pro-life leaders. I've made a list. 49 shows is not enough. And to listen to a guy like pa- Pat Castle, we're going to have Abby Johnson on this week. Abby Johnson, unplanned, Planned parent and Employee of the Year. Uh, you know who she is. She's going to be out. We're going to have a lot of great leaders. But you know who Abby Johnson is. You may not have known who Pat Castle is. There's going to be a lot of pro-life leaders that we have had on. Christine O'Donnell's coming on the show this week. Who is Christine O'Donnell? Christine O'Donnell was on a TV show called Sex in the 90s on MTV. She was on Politically Incorrect all the time. She was the first woman, first person that I know of that thrust the pro-life perspective into the public imagination through pop culture. She was on MTV all the time. She was the number one guest in history on Bill Maher. She was this young Irish girl that was on all these TV shows, and it was a sign of contradiction to the culture at the time. And see, they made a mistake. Christine O'Donnell might have been the first mistake they made. You see, you cannot give us an inch. You cannot give us an inch, because they were back in the day. They were confident that they were right. They actually believed in the garbage they were slinging, and so they thought, "What could it hurt to have Christine O'Donnell on MTV Sex in the '90s? What could it hurt to have Christine O'Donnell on Politically Incorrect every day? What could it hurt?" Well, what it did is my generation was watching her and was really – she was very influential, gave a lot of people courage and led the way. So every time you see these young – this generation is unbelievable, unbelievable. With these reels they're doing on Instagram, it's just mind-blowing how creative and courageous they are. Whenever I see one of these reels, I'm like, oh, this all began with Christine O'Donnell on MTV. So, you're gonna, it's going to roll, okay? What am I talking about? I have lost the plot. This has been the Jason Jones Show. The greatcampaign.org is where you're going to make a donation. And we will be talking soon, probably tomorrow. Pat Castle was our guest today on the Jason Jones Show.
0: This has been the Jason Jones Show, powered by Mudhouse Media.